Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined by producer Corey. We are here. We are live. We are in the flesh with each other on Zoom. And anyway, what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the NBA MVP race. We are going to be talking about the playoffs. We're going to be talking about our best bets, and we're going to take a little bit of a sprinkle into the soccer world, football, if you will. And, uh, you know, we're going to touch on baseball, too. So let's get, get you started off with our best bets. The best bets for Wednesday's NBA slate are the Minnesota Timberwolves plus three versus the Toronto Raptors, the Dallas Mavericks minus four versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, and DeAndre Ayton over 16 and a half points versus the Golden State Warriors. We will touch on that analysis later. Um First off, I want to touch on this. I think this is the leading story in the NBA right now, and it is that Nikola Jokic just either tied or surpassed Joel Embiid in terms of the NBA MVP voting odds. And a lot of it has to do with Tim Bontemps of ESPN conducted a straw poll in which Nikola Jokic 100 first place votes. So this is obviously, this is relevant. This is important. Bontemps has been doing this straw poll for the past couple of years, and it's generally predicted who's going to win for the past, the past four years it's been right. The only year that it was wrong was actually the first year that he did it. And it was, it was a very close race between James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And that was the year, I think, as you guys might recall, was the year that Russell Westbrook wound up averaging a triple-double. And he kind of secured that at the very end of the season. And that's like what pushed him over the edge to win the award. So one of the interesting things here is, I think you guys, if you've seen me in the Discord, we've been advocating for this. I've been saying that Jokic should be the MVP. Uh, I felt like the odds were wrong. And... I'm, there's an article that I wrote. It's coming out with the Action Network. It's coming out soon. And I'll kind of give you a summary of what it is that I'm talking about here. And the thing is with these award races, like people have asked, who do I like for Defensive Player of the Year? Who do I like for MVP? Who do I like for this? And the thing is, when you're betting on awards, it's really interesting because we can kind of all create like a narrative. We can create a talking point, you know, I can give you a really good pitch. That's why I paid for law school, you know, to convince you of something. And that is why, you know, like anybody can be convinced of anything. Like you can, you can really put forward a persuasive argument for a lot of these guys to win these awards because they're all good. They're all really good. There is a case to be made. The thing that's different here is that with award voting, odds are based off of, you know, a variety of different things, but generally when you're betting on a line, like let's say it's, you know, for tomorrow, like the Wolves plus three versus the Raptors, you're getting minus 110 odds because of the implied probability of minus 110 is that that happens at, you know, whatever the rate is, like 52.3%. And like, that's that's kind of how the odds work. And like, that's what you're looking at and try to try to find value. It makes a little bit more sense. Whereas with awards voting, you're looking at the situation where it's, it's not like that the given event is going to happen because it's not, it's not that that person is the best or like that they, you know, that they're like number one in VORP or number one in BPM or like whatever. It's just that you're trying to guess what people are going to do and like what the perception 
of it is. So you're not really betting on performance. You're betting on how you project a field of voters to view a performance. And this is absolutely critical to understand. So I know a couple of different people put out different uh, support recently about the defensive player of the year. They talked about Michael Bridges. They talked about uh, Marcus Smart. So I know Prop Stars did it for Bridges. I saw it on Twitter. And he put out this like, and it is, it's a really valid case for Bridges. Um, Whether I agree with him is different. I I think that it's very difficult to separate, in my opinion, him and DeAndre Ayton as to why that Suns defense is so good and so important, like that, who is more important for the team. Uh, But an argument could be made for Bridges for sure. He tweeted that. And then you see the odds just tank. It went from like 16 to one to basically three to one, three and a half to one, you know, within a couple hours, couple or like a day or so. Um, and that's some of the influence that people can have on Twitter, on the, on the internet, uh, you know, with their articles, with their words, whatever. Uh, this also happened because Seth Partnow of the athletic a couple of like five days ago, wrote an article about, the defensive player of the year field. And I think part now might be a voter, but he talked about how he felt that the Celtics defense was incredible. And he felt that this year was the year that Marcus smart should win the award. And then now that coupled with the injury to Robert Williams, which is very significant. And basically his decision to, for those that don't know, he's a tear in his meniscus and his decision to essentially elect for surgery is probably going to rule him out for general, like an extended period of time. He might not play the rest of the year, but the fact that he's not going to try to play through it isn't does not bode well. It's more of a long-term decision for Williams and the Celtics, which is fair considering what their construct is right now, but it's still a tough blow considering how good they've been this season. But he put that article out five days ago. The Robert Williams news came out two days ago. And Marcus Smart is the betting favorite out of some books at like plus 135, which in my opinion is bonkers. Like I don't understand it. There's not really a consensus as to who the best defensive player in the league is. And that's why you see these odds like tank when people are uh, putting out these articles like in advocating for players. Because the thing is, why, if you're a sports book, why are you hanging a line on a guy that's clearly getting action for whatever reason? Like, I can find that there's value on a line. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen, but I might just say, well, like that seems like it could happen, you know? And then if there's a lot of people that bet on it, all of a sudden you have this immense liability at the book for that player. So there's no reason for them to hang that line anymore. Like they can move their line down. They already got the action that they wanted. They got the handle that they wanted on that guy. And they're not going to just keep leaving that number because they're at the end of the day, sports books are there to make a profit. They want to make a month. They want to make money. So they want to make a money, you know? So it's just kind of one of those things like they, they're going to look at the odds. They're going to look at what their reliabilities are and they're going to adjust as such. And that's why when you look at different books, you'll see different odds for different players in part, it's because of the way their bookmakers are looking at it, but it also has to do with their own liabilities and like what, what they're most at risk for. So just articles in and of themselves and like people advocating or people making a pitch, like that doesn't necessarily change anything because that doesn't mean that that's how the voters are going to vote. The thing that's important about these straw polls, I talked about this before Matt Moore did one for the action network. He included in his futures Friday piece. And he talked about how 
his poll was smaller. He did 15 people, 15 likely voters and returned votes that where 10 people had Nikola Jokic at number one. And of those 10, seven had Giannis at number two for MVP. Of the remaining five votes that didn't have Jokic number one, four of those likely voters had Giannis one, and Embiid was number one on just one ballot. So that's obviously different than uh, Bontemps' poll, because at Bontemps' poll, he had the majority of the votes obviously went to Nikola Jokic. He had 62 of 100 first-place votes, where Joel, Joel Embiid had 29 and Giannis had nine. So a little bit of that sample that Matt had was a little wonky, but that's small sample size, you know. But at the end of the day, Jokic has a clear lead over Embiid and over Giannis for MVP right now. This type of straw poll of likely voters, and that's 100 likely voters, um, and I think that Windhorse said that about 100 out of the 100 people that he picks, about 75% of them are actual voters. So obviously the margins here are still tight, but Jokic is clearly the winner. This is something that you can look at and say, this should change the odds. And as you saw, the odds just dramatically changed over the course of a couple hours. Last night or two nights ago, Joel Embiid was minus 200. And now him and it, him and Jokic are basically at a virtual tie, depending on the book. Um, their DraftKings, I believe, is still hanging a plus 120. If you do not have not opened up a position on Jokic to win the MVP, this is absolutely your opportunity to do so. It seems like the consensus is for Joe or is for John Morant to win most improved. Um, I think that if you wanted to try to get a little bit more juice out of the Jokic MVP vet bet you can parlay John Morant most improved with Nikola Jokic MVP for like plus 147. Uh, if you had seen when I logged this in the action app a couple of weeks ago, it was at plus 160. Um, I bet him before at like 25 to one. These, these like, he's going to, I think he's going to win this award. Um, additionally, if you already have a huge Jokic ticket, this, I think, is a good opportunity to hedge because you're going to get you can at least get your cost basis back because Embiid is basically even odds. I'm not saying that I think that Jokic is going to win the award, but I do think that there is a possibility. There is a narrative that Joel Embiid can win. And the thing is here with the voters is there's a couple weeks left. If let's say the Nuggets fall out of the playoffs, they're in the play in range and then the Sixers move up to the one seed there's still a little bit of opportunity for Embiid to make a push. So I'm not saying it's over, but I am saying that the odds have now had the appropriate market correction. But I will say Giannis's odds, I think, are a little, sh are a little long at 12 to 1, 16 to 1 even at some books. I think that based on the way the voting is and the way his stats compare with Embiid, that it's a little close. Now, I, I was listening. I never do this because this is just like the content there is kind of rough, but I was watching the betting exchange on ESPN. And this is probably one of the dumbest things I've heard in a while. And what it was, was they were talking about the MVP race and they were saying that they felt like it was too close, couldn't bet on it. And they were talking about voter fatigue. This to me, this was blowing my mind considering that Bontemps is an ESPN reporter. It's his straw poll. His straw poll is the actual reason the odds changed because of those results. And they were talking about voter fatigue when 
the voters in the straw poll are 75% of them, according to Windhorse, who's another ESPN guy, are voting in the actual MVP race. Why would they get fatigue at all? Because they're like, oh, because Jokic won last year. So that's voter fatigue. That's stupid. Yeah. So that's what they keep talking about. I'm like, what are we doing? How much do they get paid? More than me. So like that's it's it's insane. Like I don't understand it. It's a bad narrative. Like voter fatigue is not it. Like that's that's not what it is. It it might happen on a third MVP. It's not happening on a second. And it's kind of one of those things. Like I think that last year Embiid could have won or should have won MVP. Like that, I was kind of at that point. Um, I understood why Jokic won it, but I felt like Embiid should have won it. But because of the way the injuries worked, whatever. Jokic is having a better year with less this season. And I felt like it's his to win. So it's just kind of like when it was like, well, you can't just say like, oh, well, like last year he won it. So let's give it to this guy. Cause like they both should have won one. That's not how it works. That's not really how it works. And like, that's not even really how the voters are doing it. So to call it voter fatigue. And like, I think that that narrative is old and I think it's overplayed and I don't think that it matters especially when you have a piece of evidence like this that is talking that actually polled people that are most likely going to be voters in the MVP race so with that if I'm telling you if you do not have a Jokic position in the MVP race I don't even mind laying the plus 120 and like I understand those are short odds for a future, I don't mind laying it because you're not laying it for a whole season. It's already like the end of the season. So you're going to lay it until like the second round of the playoffs, which is, you know, say like a month and a half from now. And it's at like plus 120. And I I think it's very, very likely to happen. The amount of time that's left in the regular season for this to change. I just, I don't see it like, to be honest with you. So that's why that's kind of where I am with this. That's what I'm looking at. And, you know, uh, I I just the the narrative that narrative to me is crazy. Like, and it's it, like people talk about analytics and like you'll see on Twitter like people are saying, oh well, like the Nuggets are the Nuggets are actually better when Jokic is off the floor. It, there's there are plus there are plus in terms of plus minus with him on and off the floor over the past couple of weeks. That's a great thing. That means that his teammates are actually finally doing something for once. And that's also because the Nuggets have one of the easiest schedules over the back half of the season. And leading up, the Nuggets have the set like the second easiest schedule to wrap up the season. So I don't I don't see them falling out of this race. I don't see this happening. I think that Jokic is the guy to bet, but I do think that if you have like a huge Jokic position at a great number, like a, a number like 20 to 1 or something like that, this is your opportunity to hedge a little bit with Joel Embiid because you're basically getting even money. So I don't hate it. I don't think it's crazy um, to do that. And like, I would actually advocate for that. I, I think that hedging is not just for gardeners. I think that you do this. It's smart. Um, you ensure yourself that you're going to make some money here. Um, and to take out, like if you have a position at 20 to one, to basically take out a position in, in, on Joel Embiid to, to lower your odds to nineteen to one at this point, I don't think that that's I don't think that that's preposterous at all. Now, I want to talk about the playoffs though, because this injury to Robert Williams is significant. 
Um, the Celtics have the best adjusted defensive rating in the NBA right now. And a lot of that has to do with their team defense. Um, Derek White being like getting acquired has been helpful in terms of their depth at the point guard position and everything. But Robert Williams was a stopper. Robert Williams is their big man. They have Al Horford. You know, they have Daniel Tice, but that's not exactly encouraging. Um, this is a tough spot. That's a tough loss for them. And I'm wondering if you're looking at the Eastern Conference standings, I'm wondering if they want to fall. Like, does it make sense for them to fall to four? Does it does it make sense for them to try to play the Bulls in the first round and avoid, you know, some of these some of these other teams, like avoid the possibility of playing the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, it, it's a very, very, very interesting proposition. Now, the other, speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, the Cavs are falling precipitously, and I advocated for them in the beginning, middle of the season, and they kind of have just been destroyed by injuries since then. So this is a tough spot, and it's really unfortunate that they've fallen because they're in the play-in. They're going to play the Brooklyn Nets. I don't see any way that they beat Brooklyn. And, you know, the Nets would be in a win-and-in situation right now, even though they only have a half-game lead over the Hornets. Now, this gets particularly interesting if the Nets fall into the 9-10 slot because that means they have to play two games and win. Right now, they're almost in a virtual tie with the Hornets and the Hawks for like the 8-9-10 seeds. The Hornets and the Hawks are two teams that I like would not want to play if I was the Brooklyn Nets because both teams can just score. And that's something that concerns me for Brooklyn, just based on the fact that, you know, their adjusted defensive rating is 23rd in the league. League. They have the 14th ranked adjusted net rating in the league. But the interesting thing about that is, you know, Charlotte is basically tied with them. They're 16th um, in adjusted net, but it's plus 0.7. And Atlanta is also to their 15th at plus 0.7. So like they're all in a virtual tie. Atlanta even has a better offense. So I'm, um, I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, like that is not a spot that I want to be in if I'm the Nets. And there's going to be some value, I think, with Brooklyn's futures odds to win the title. But the problem is like they're still only like plus 500. And they're going to be in two. It's possible that they're in two games that are single elimination. And if you're in like single elimination games, that just has like an incredible amount of variance. So I definitely wouldn't bet on the. I'm not betting on the Nets now. That's for sure. Um, maybe I will. If, if they get into, if they're in the play in tournament, I think that the way you handle this, if they're in the, in the 9-10 slot, the way you handle this is you would open up a position instead of betting them on the money line or on the spread in each of the first two games, you're better off taking a few, opening up a futures position on them to come out of the East or at least to win the title because you're basically parlaying those first two games and then you're getting into their futures odds. So that's one way to look at it. Um, so, but like, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that goes. Now, when we're looking at the Western conference, the Western conference is really interesting because 
you now have the Suns and the Grizzlies have locked up spots here. And it's entirely possible that the Warriors can fall down to four, um, which would put them right now in either a matchup against the Jazz or the Nuggets. If you're the Warriors, you would prefer to play the Jazz in that situation. It, that's the way I would feel, especially with Rudy Gobert going to just play drop coverage. Like that's that's a type of matchup that I think is good for the for the Warriors. Um with the Nuggets, you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, I, they seem to be secure right now in the sixth seed, but the newest wrinkle, Paul George has pl- played last night. I'm not sure what he did. He's back. The Clippers can make some noise in the Western Conference. And them at like that eight seed, like you, we saw them last year. They gave the Suns a difficult time. Uh, with Paul George and, you know, Kawhi obviously went down in that series, but they are good. And they like, you know, they added some guys they've got, you know, they've added a couple people there. They've added a couple wings and like, they're, they're just kind of coasting right now because they can't really move up or down in the playoffs. So the Clippers are a team that I'm very interested in. I opened up a position at 40 to one on them to win the Western conference. And I have a 100 to one ticket on them to win the NBA title, whether it's likely no, but does it present me with some cash out value? Absolutely. Uh, so those are two angles that I'm looking at and I'm really, really curious to see how Paul George plays with this team. Um, I think it's a great, it's like you're adding, I mean, you're obviously adding an all NBA player out of nowhere, basically on this. So it's an angle that I like. It's something that I'm looking at, and I'm very, very excited for the rest of the NBA season. With that being said, these games are getting to be brutal to bet on because guys are just being like load managed out of nowhere. Uh, you're seeing a lot of teams tanking. Uh, you're seeing teams like last night, the, the, I think the Blazers were up by like three or down by three, and instead of shooting a three with four seconds left to tie the game, they just took a layup. It's because they just like want to lose. So it's, it's just like, it's a bizarre situation right now. And, you know, just be careful with what you're doing. And like, I like to get the lines out early. You got to make sure that it's going to be a game that's competitive before, before you really look and try to lock these, some of these bets in. Um, So with that, uh, we will swing over and touch on football a little bit. Uh, and producer Corey, I'm going to ask you to tell me, give me, give the listeners a little bit of knowledge here um, while I go uh, put something in the oven. <laughs> okay. Here's the knowledge. All you got to do is take out a future on the U.S. men's national team. Um, they're probably about to automatically qualify, which would be fantastic. Got them at 100 to 1 probably a year ago. Looking forward to cashing that uh shout out to terry um pretty much it costa rica has to beat them by six points on wednesday in order for that not to happen so it's gonna happen um yeah i don't know what else joe wanted me to tell you apparently the egyptians had some issues with lasers oh yeah so apparently um egypt is not going to qualify for the world cup and they were in PKs with some country and basically they took out lasers and they were shooting them at Salah, who is arguably the best player in the world right now. Missed his PKs. They're not going to make the World Cup. It's really interesting, though, because I'm wondering if that's going to be something like is our lasers, the new Vuvuzelas. 
Is that no, there's no that way anybody is walking into a game with a laser. I can tell you that. No way. Dude, you never know. I mean, oh, what no, country there's... World Cup in? It's in Qatar, man. If they want something, they're going to get something. There's no way everybody's face isn't getting scanned, temperature being taken, and probably a pinprick of blood for DNA analysis is not happening at all times while you're in for Qatar. Everybody. Yeah. Right. I don't know what they did with all the Indians and Pakistanis that built these stadiums, uh, but they're definitely not there anymore, and they for sure didn't go home. So I'm really excited to find out where the uh, mass grave is. Oh, dude, that's some terrifying stuff, honestly. I like how Um, we're all about not doing this because, oh, it's a human rights violation, but the U.S. men's team is about to fucking qualify. So, you know, maybe we'll send them a check. We'll write them a check. I don't know. We have to be in it. Thanks, Biden. Thanks, Biden. Fucking Brandon. <laughs> Coach Brandon. So that's enough soccer talk. Um, as for <laughs> as for the Major League Baseball, um, the really interesting thing that's going to be happening soon is next week we're going to be having our Major League Baseball preview. I'm expecting a guest. Uh, like I said, um, I'm waiting. I'm confirming that. And you, there will be a tweet out on the Twitter machine uh, to confirm that. It's going to be a really exciting episode. I'm going to ask you guys to submit me some questions, see, you know, like what, what you want to know of our, like what our favorite futures are, what the situation is. I have logged a couple futures into the action app already. So I want you to know what they are. I mentioned last week Toronto Blue Jays to win the American League East. The Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series at 11 to 1. The uh, Cleveland Indians to win the Central Division. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's that's just inaccurate. That's my Cavs bet. Um, and then uh, I also bet on the Los Angeles Angels to win the World Series at 40 to 1 at points bet. They have Mike Trout. They have Shohei Otani. The division's a little weak. I think we got a shot here at 40 to one. And then I also took the blue Jays to go over 91 and a half wins uh, on the regular season. I hate betting these because they're like minus one ten odds, but I just think about it as like found money later. Um, so I, I just think that it's significant. It's a significant competitive advantage with Toronto's vaccine mandate. Um, so they got 81 games at home where they're going to be probably a full strength while their opponents aren't. I think it's a big edge. I, I have to take that. So that's our MLB talk for now. We will touch on it more next week with opening day starting next Wednesday. Now, as for our NBA best bets, we're circling back. We've got the Wolves plus three versus the Raptors. One of the things that I like here is that, you know, Minnesota, they've actually been an incredible team over the course of the season. The Raptors have been a bit underrated, but the thing is Minnesota – uh, they have the sixth best adjusted offensive rating, the seventh best adjusted net rating. We're looking at the Raptors. They're down in 13th in terms of adjusted net. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was over the past, uh, like over the last 40 days of the regular season or so, um, the the Raptors they've been they've been really excellent. They have been uh, they have a plus a plus minus of plus 2.5. But if we look, the Minnesota Timberwolves are plus 9.2 over the last 40 days. That is incredible. They are in fourth next to the Phoenix Suns, 
the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Boston Celtics, and you're telling me you're going to give me three points to bet on them. That's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Um, the Wolves have been by far like one of the best teams in the league over the past couple months and really over the past couple weeks too. And this is just a spot that I'm going to back them. There's just no way. Uh, I understand that the Raptors, you know, the Raptors have a lot of length. They can throw at you. I think this is going to be a really good matchup for Carl Anthony Towns against the Toronto Raptors. They don't necessarily have a center of that type of size to defend him. Uh, they don't like have that guy. Like, I feel like this is kind of anecdotal, but I feel like Towns kind of struggles against like those guys that, you know, are like just stronger than him. And like, they just, they don't really have that right now. So I like this spot for Minnesota. Um, they're better. Their point differentials better than Toronto, even over the last couple of weeks, over the last two weeks, they were doing about plus two better than the Raptors. Plus three seems like a gift. This line is already moving. Uh, it's at like plus two and a half on a couple books. So I, I would try to grab this ASAP. Um, as for the next bet, we're looking at the Dallas Mavericks minus four against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, look, the, the issue for the Cavs is that they just can't score. And Evan Mobley has already been ruled out for tonight's game. He's not going to be playing. So you're really just looking at the Darius Garland and Karis LeVert show. Uh, you'll probably see, you'll obviously see some Laurie Markinen. This is just not a game that I trust them to score in. Uh, the Mavs are absolutely waxing uh, the Lakers as we record right now. Gave that out. This is a good bet. And I, look, the Mavericks, their defense has been insane this season. They're sixth in adjusted defensive rating. They're ninth in adjusted net rating. And even though the Cavs, you know, they have a slightly better defense, it's not going to hold without Mobley and Allen. There's just, it's not going to hold. So I expect the Mavericks to be able to get what they want here. Um, Cleveland's adjusted offensive rating is 20th. And over the last, like, and I'm looking at this chart again, uh, I retweeted it. Tom Bassine did it. Um, it's on Twitter. It got a lot of traction, but basically uh, the Mavericks, um, <laughs> the Mavericks on this chart, they're, they're about a 0.02. So they've been like, you know, they've been okay, but the Cavs are minus 3.4. I just think that this is a spot where even with the back-to-back, -back, I think the Mavericks are being a little bit undervalued at minus four. Um, and, and I'm going to take that bet. Finally, we're looking at DeAndre Ayton to go over 16 and a half points versus the Warriors. I was surprised that this prop line was available already. It's on DraftKings. He has gone over this in all three games against the Warriors this season uh, with 24, 23, and, and 18 points this season. And even if we look at his last 10 games, the 16 and a half is a number he's gone over in six of 10. He missed it against both the Philadelphia 76ers and the Denver Nuggets. But uh, look, I like this spot for him. The Warriors, as good as their defense is, I think that Aiton can clearly clear this. Uh, he's, he's done it in every game this season. And looking at his last 10 games, he's averaging 19.6 points. So we're going to be taking DeAndre Aiton over 16.5 points versus the Warriors. So with that, I know we heard from Corey already, but Corey, do you have any recommendations for us? Yes, I do. You know what time of year it is. The worst time of year. Shit is growing. The bees are pollinating. Um, you have bees to, yeah, you have to leave your house while this is happening. <clears throat> what does that ha What does that cause? Seasonal allergies. That's right, folks. Seasonal allergies. Uh, stock up on everything you can now before the shelves are cleared. 
Uh, as you can hear, I'm having some sinus problems currently. Um, yeah, my morning routine now involves coughing up green phlegm for about 20 minutes before I can really start my day. Uh, get your nasal sprays, Flonase, over the counter, uh, Allegra, Sizol, over the counter, Claritin, if you're that kind of person, over the counter. Get it now. You're not going to be able to get that shit in the middle of April. And no. May, forget about it. You're fucked. Forget it. I like, um, I'm a Zizol guy, so I respect this decision here. I would steer clear of the Zyrtec. Very drowsy stuff if you're not used to it. I feel um, like Zyrtec doesn't work as well. I don't know. It puts you to bed, dude. Uh, um, maybe. Here's another tip, uh, another hack, if you will. Go see an allergist or some kind of pulmonologist where you're like, oh, I can't fucking breathe. They will open up the supply closet and give you some samples. So That's you can get in true. on the goodies, like not over the counter nasal spray and, you know, decongestion that decongestive things that work. You know, Allegra with the D. You can get it from your doctor. Yeah. Maybe. Get that um, D from your doctor. Yeah. Do it. No, I mean, uh, it's like a cost. It's like Costco. It's like a free sample true. potpourri in there. And honestly, like if you get it so, in time and your doctor's a good enough guy, you get or or girl. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, I yeah. had a female pulmonologist. She tried to get me to take a sleeping test thirty times, bitch. Yeah, I, I have Doctor Sure. She's she's great. Yeah, Doctor. I won't say because I don't like her anymore. Uh, uh, she got she accidentally made me take two lung function tests inside of a year. My insurance only covered one, so I had to pay out of pocket oh, like yikes, way too much money. Yikes. And, uh, that was the end of our relationship. I just try and to only go once a year. Stingy on the samples. Stingy. See, that's the problem, man. So, yeah, if you're lucky enough, you get those samples from a doctor. He's like, look, here's like fucking two weeks worth. See if you can get over this hump. If you need a prescription, just call in and we'll get it for you. But sometimes you don't actually have the best. prescription. You just the two weeks is all it is. It's After you get over best. that hump, you might be OK. Yeah. So yeah. Go get some fucking it's just that freebies. Season. Go get some just freebies. Season, Shove them up your nose, swallow it. Yeah, take fuck, the no- honestly the nose it. sprays. The nose sprays really work. I used to not be a nose spray guy. Don't uh, take Afrin. That's bad for you. It's yeah, don't, none, of, none of that stuff. It's like <laughs> it's like flonies, uh, Yeah, yeah. Use the good stuff. Um, Get the real shit. <laughs> love this, Corey. My uh, my recommendation is I just got so I just got a new set of knives and. It's it's actually awesome, but the thing that I like the most about it, not only are they they're obviously like aggressively sharp, but the thing is the the knife block has sharpeners built in, and I think that was the pro- that was the thing that I hated the most about my last knife set. They just got dull, and like because I would always default like you know you always default to the one like I think it's like the Santoku knife or whatever. I was always using that one, and then that one was dull. So then I was like, all right, well now I'll go to the other knife because that one's dull because I wasn't sharpening it because like. Sure, like he was like, oh yeah, like you're gonna sharpen this knife. Like, I didn't do that. Um, you know, I watched the TikToks, I watched the Instagram videos, and I was like, I'm just not gonna do it. So now I just bought the block that does it for me. And let me tell you, new sharp knives have changed my day at least. Um, I had a great time cutting vegetables. I was like, oh sure, like I'll make a salad tonight. And here we are. So uh, you know, I, I feel very happy about it. It's it's a great opportunity. And it's a, it's also kind of like a message to everybody and a reminder to myself to stay sharp. Thanks, everybody. Let's cash that. You son of a bitch. I get no-